Welcome to C3 Church Tubra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. When you were a child, did you ever have a scar that you were particularly proud of? Anyone? No scars? You know, like the scar on your arm that says when you went overseas for the first time and you got that, what's that round one called? A boof. The smallpox? Yeah. You need to get that big one. Yeah. And who's got one of those? Yeah. And what does it say? It's sort of like a mark of your travels. I know when we were kids, we used to compare scars. Did you? Did no one do that? Oh, surfy people. Do you, like, yeah, that's where the fin got me there. And I don't have a scar under there. You got a scar under there? No? Old boys. All boys crack open their chins, Phil said. Is that true? Heidi, you would know that, being a mother of many boys. Do they always crack open under here? No. Phil, you're on your own. Yeah, I mean, I remember when, when Phil and I first got married and you know, I was like checking him out and going, what's that scar down there? And there would be stories about that scar and, you know, he would display that scar of bravery and things that he'd been through and, you know, we've all got our scars, yeah? We've all got our scars. We've got our scars externally and we have our scars internally. What a scar is, is a scar is a wound that's been healed. It's not a wound. It's different to a wound. A scar is a wound that's been healed. And I love this in Japanese. This is Japanese method called kintsugi. It's a Japanese method for repairing broken ceramics with a special lacquer mixed with gold, silver, or platinum. The philosophy behind the technique is to recognize, listen, the history of the object and to visibly incorporate the repair into the new piece instead of disguising it. So you have a look at the bowl that's on my... Just go back to that bowl. Now, this is one of those bowls. And you can see what they do is this bowl has obviously been shattered into many, many pieces. But they believe that there's history and there's value in that bowl. Why throw it away? And why cover up with, with, with invisible glue where that bowl has been broken? And so they pour gold or, or titanium or other, other metals, precious metals, into those cracks and they display those cracks and now it's a work of art. Can you imagine that bowl without those cracks just for a moment? It's just an ordinary white bowl, common in every household. But you put gold cracks in it like that, now it becomes a masterpiece, something that's sought after and something that is beautiful that you wouldn't even eat out of. You just want to display it as a precious vessel of honour in your home, wouldn't you? Would you eat out of that? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, because Jesse wouldn't let you. No, you put that in a beautiful cabinet as a, as a showpiece, and when people came to your house, you would talk about this bowl. 
And look at the cracks in this bowl. Look what makes it so beautiful is these gold cracks. But the gold cracks are wounds that have been healed by gold. It's gold poured into those cracks that make this such a worthy vessel. I love this. I read this quote on Facebook this week and I thought it was really beautiful. Everything broken doesn't have to be completely fixed for us to be fine. We can be scared and brave and unbelievably frail and strong all in the same leap of faith. And we can hurt, but we don't have to live hurt. We can choose to believe in the epic goodness of God to completely surprise us with breathtakingly awesome possibilities. What a quote. This woman needs to write books. Broken is what people are. Beautiful is what God makes them. Is that so true? Isaiah 64, 8 says this, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. Amen. Katie, that uh, worship and, I mean, this morning, something struck my heart. I mean, Christy was amazing. The worship was amazing. You both did an amazing job. But there was a moment there when you were singing where some gold came through, where some cracks were showing, where there was a vulnerability of, of of, of a journey that you had been on that was actually coming through the sound of your voice. And gold was coming out. That's why I was saying to you, milk it, Kate, milk it. Because you were sitting right on something that was so beautiful in her own journey that now the gold that was inside her was coming through and it was coming out of her mouth. It was actually washing over us and it was pouring gold into us. It's incredible. I just love it. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 9. This is powerful. And this is in the Passion Translation. And the title of it says, Treasure in Clay Jars. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. How many of you know that? Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We are knocked down, but not out. Amen. I love it. See, you see, we've got to realize this, and the world needs to realize this as well. And I think the ACC, ACA program needs to realize this as well. God is ACC. They need to know it too. They all need to know it. Do you know what I mean? All the C's and the A's. See, I'm, I'm just displaying what I'm about to say. God is not looking for perfect people. He's not looking for a perfect church. He's not looking for people that have got it all together. You know, when Jesus went up to the mount and there were people gathered all around him and they're waiting 
for something to come out of his mouth that is so precious and so beautiful. And he's about to speak to them, maybe some of them for the first time. They've heard him speak. They've heard about him. They've heard about this Jesus who heals the sick and raises the dead. And he's come and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's saying that he's like God. He's saying that he's a representation of God on the earth, that he's representing God on the earth, this Jesus. And they've come to listen to him just like you are now, just sitting around a mountain waiting for Jesus to speak, waiting for the oracles of this teacher to come out. And the very first thing he says to this crowd is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, he didn't stand up and say maybe what they thought he was going to say. He actually, he actually partnered with their humanity. He, he reached inside of them. And he wasn't like the religious leaders who said, if you just be like this, if you would just be, if you kept the law perfectly like we do, then perhaps we could accept you into the temple. Perhaps God might accept you if you attain perfection. They were expecting perhaps to be yelled at, to be told they were rotten sinners. Because they were outside the temple, these people. They weren't accepted into the temple. They were the outcasts. They were the nobodies. They weren't religious, a lot of them. They weren't religious leaders. A lot of them wouldn't even understand how to keep the law. They were expecting him to smack them over the hand and say, naughty, 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 all of you. Blessed are you if you keep the law. Blessed are you if you're perfect. Blessed are you if you have no scars and no wounds. Blessed are you. But he came and he said, blessed are you if you are poor in spirit. Blessed are you if you're broken. Blessed are you if you are a broken vessel and you admit it, not like the religious leaders who are whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones who say one thing with their mouths but their hearts are far from me who are never real who are never transparent who never really look into my eyes or the eyes of my father and become real with me blessed are you blessed are you if you're just real about who you are and where you're at 
Because I can connect with you right in that space right there. Right where those cracks are, right where you've been broken. I am He who can pour gold into that and put it all back together and make you into a vessel of honour. No, not a perfect one, but a vessel that I will display for my glory. Amen. I love it. I was listening to this song this week, and this stirred this up in me. And it says, Blessed are the ones who do not bury all the broken pieces of their heart. Blessed are the tears of all the weary, falling like a sky of falling stars. Blessed are the wounded ones in mourning, brave enough to show the Lord their scars. Blessed are the hurts that are not hidden, open to the healing touch of God. The kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours. Hold on a little more. This is not the end. Hope is in the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. I love that one line. Brave enough to show the Lord their scars. You know, we have to be like the children that we were, that were very bold and brave about our scars, that that showed our scars and said, this is what I've been through and this is who I am and this is the tracks that the Lord has placed in my life that make me individual and unique. Like I'm like no other bowl that he's crafted because my journey is so unique and my scars are so beautiful because when the wound is touched by the master's hand, the gold is poured into my wound, my scar becomes something of glorious display and never again something that I'm ashamed of. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever wondered something, and it just hit me the other day as I was, as I was praying through this message. Have you ever wondered why Jesus kept his scars even in his glorified state? I never thought of that before, Jamie. I haven't heard anyone preach on it or speak about it. It just hit me in my spirit. Why do you think I kept my scars? And we can see it here in John 20, 24 to 29. Jesus appears to Thomas. Now we know that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's gone to be glorified with his father. He's come back and he's appeared to some of the disciples. But when he did, Thomas was not there. So I will read from verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Wow. I, just right there, God's speaking to me right there. How are we going to convince this world that Jesus is real unless we show them our scars? The scars that have been healed by a king that is faithful. You know. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas Was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. So he walked right through the wall. 
This is how glorified he was. He walked right through the wall. And he said, peace be with you. And I just love Jesus that he just knows us, that he's just so okay with who we are. He's so okay with that. And he just comes and he says, Thomas. And I'm sure he didn't say, Thomas, you want some proof? Well, here it is, buddy. He didn't, it wasn't, it's was like Thomas. Thomas. Here, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Reach out to some people in your world. Don't be afraid of your scars. Reach out to some people around your life and say, here, I know that you doubt. I know that you don't believe. But if you knew my story, if you knew my individual journey, if you knew the wounds that have been in my life that he has poured gold into, then I can show you how to put your hand in the hand of the one who repairs broken things. I can show you that brokenness can be beautiful and that your brokenness is beautiful to Jesus the same way mine was beautiful to Jesus. Amen. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. I think I would definitely be saying something similar. (laughs) Jesus kept his scars as an eternal reminder of all they stood for. We read in Isaiah 53, Who has believed the message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Why does he show us his scars? Why does he keep his scars eternally? Because he wants to continuously remind us that he is familiar with our pain. That he has walked where we walked. That he has felt what we felt. That he has been. That he has suffered what we have suffered, and more. And then it says, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we have scars. By his wounds our scars are healed. By his wounds our wounds become golden scars. You know, I, I had, um, I'm so blessed to have children at all. 
you know, they said it was impossible for me to have children. And, you know, that, that I hadn't even been given eggs, you know, all the eggs that you have to have babies are given to you at birth. I had none. Then I had cancer. And then they cut a lot of my parts that I needed to have babies away. It was absolutely, astoundingly, miraculously, incredibly, graciously, wonderfully beautiful that God gave me four beautiful girls and now grandchildren and a legacy to go with that. And so, but to have those girls, to give birth to those girls, because I had so much scar tissue from the cancer, I had to have four cesarean sections. And so four times I got cut right across my belly. And you know, that to me is a scar that needs to be displayed. Not that I'm going to show you. <laughs> I'm like, Relax. I just saw Amy go, ooh. It's like, no, I, too much information. But I look at that scar at times and sometimes I even touch it. You know, there's a little ridge on my belly. You can see the little ridge. And it sort of sticks like that because there's scar tissue there. And I, sometimes I touch it and I just, thank you, God. You know, that's a golden scar for me. That's, that's every time I, I, I look in the mirror and I see that scar across there, I go, oh, my God, God gave me babies. And there's a constant reminder on my body that God gave me babies. Those women, those of you who have stretch marks, display them. <laughs> display them. You know, be proud of them. Because that's a map of where you've been. There's history in those scars. There's history in those marks. Amen? Uh, Every time Phil, I said to Phil one day, you know, do you find this really ugly? And he's like, are you kidding? Like, that is where we had babies. Like, that's our history together. That's something that's made us closer than ever before. Those scars have joined us together. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, over the course of my life, I turned 60 last week, and I'm so excited to be 60. I really am. I I am. I don't know what it is. What is God doing in me? I don't know. But it's like I've never been so excited to be an age. And, and I, I can look back now over the last 60 years and particularly the last almost 40 years that I have known Jesus. And when he found me, nearly 40 years ago, when he found me, I was a broken bowl. You know, I wasn't just like a few broken pieces. Like anybody would have looked at that and said, beyond repair. In fact, psychologists will tell you if a child is abused under the age of three that they will never be repaired. There is no repair. There is no way out. They will ultimately be on medication. They will probably commit suicide at some stage of their lives because there is no way of going into the memory of that child and healing things that are post-memory. A psychologist relies on memory that you can remember what happened to you, 
clearly so they can go there and they can talk through the memory and then you can go and you can walk through it as an adult and, and walk through the trauma and, 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 and learn to live with that trauma. But when you've got abuse under three, there's no memory for that. But Jesus is able to go to the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He knows every single day of our lives. Every day of my life was written in his book before one of them came to pass. And he was able to go to every moment and bring healing and not even allow me to have to remember things that he didn't need me to remember. But in those moments, he would take those wounds that I knew were there. In fact, I went to one psychologist later on in my life because I'd been healed of, 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 a, of a really bad disease. And my doctor wanted to know, how did you get healed of that? It's an incurable disease. And I said to him, Jesus healed me. And I had that disease because of the pain in my life. I was actually physically ill because of the pain and the trauma that I carried within my belly. I had a terrible disease because of the pain. It had, it had, it had produced a disease. It was killing me. And my doctor said, how did you get healed of that disease? It's impossible. It's incurable. And I said to him, because Jesus healed my heart, I no longer carried the trauma in my belly. And therefore, my physical body caught up with my spiritual body. And he said to me, there's a psychologist who's writing about extraordinary healings in people, especially in psychological issues. Would you talk to him? I'd love to talk to him. He's not a believer. He's very against God. But would you talk to him? I said, I'd love to. And I spoke to this man and he said to me, after I shared my story with him, because most of my healing, the majority of my healing had been one-on-one with Jesus. He would just come into my room. He would take me to a place. He would, you know, heal trauma, go into that place fix that wound. I mean, I'm not recommending that. I love psychologists. I love counsellors. I'm not saying do not go to those, just the way he did it with me. And so after I told him my story about what what Jesus had done for me, this man's got like tears in his eyes. He's an unbeliever. He's atheist. And he looks at me and he said, just for one of those healings, and you've had probably 40 or 50 so far, just for one of those healings, it would have taken me probably 20 years and I would have never gotten to that core little child inside of you and healed that little child. I, ne- I would have never got there. And he said, would you mind if I write a chapter in my book about you that actually there is a God who can heal memory, who can heal dysfunction, and it can heal what they call dissociation identity disorder, DID, when a child has been so traumatised that they've broken into so many pieces that no one can put them back together. Fragmented. A fragmented heart, a fragmented soul, and that's what they said I was. And yet Jesus, over these last 40 years, has taken pieces, poured gold into it, and started to, as the potter, has, has mo- and that's why I'm excited about being 60. And I'm not saying he's finished. I've probably got a lot more gold pieces to be added to me yet. I'm not finished yet. 
Because the more that I, he heals me, the more I love him and the more I become like him and the more I realize that he is the only one. So I display my scars to you this morning. Millions of pieces that Jesus put back together. And I stand here as a pottery piece with a map of my life in full display. Because he's the potter and I'm the clay. And he can make me any way he wants. And he can take the broken pieces of my life and make a masterpiece for his glorious display. What have my scars taught me? My scars have taught me how to love when my scars should have taught me how to hate. My scars have taught me how to forgive when those things that were done to me were probably unforgivable. My scars have taught me how to love my persecutors and my abusers and pray for their salvation and even have seen some of them come to Lord. See, it's redemption. It's a redemptive plan. My scars have taught me how to persevere, how to be strong, how to know that he is with me how to gradually allow myself to become transparent in a world that had hurt me so badly, how to trust again. My scars taught me how to trust, how to love, how to open myself up, how to be willing to be transparent and loving and kind and good. My scars have taught me empathy. When you've been through so much, you will never judge people that are going through stuff. And you will never have an expectation of anybody to be anything other than what they are right now in their journey. Please do not be religious and put a a religious expectation on people that they should be acting or talking or doing certain things according to your religious standard. Don't become a Pharisee because you've gotten somewhere. But allow them to be where they are in their journey because he's pouring gold right in that crack right now and you can't even see it. Don't you go and cause another crack, another wound where he's pouring gold. Have empathy. Sit back. Even if they're abusive to you, even if they swear at you, they curse you. And how he showed me all the days of my abuse in a moment in time. And he showed me. He was covering me. He was hiding me. He was holding me. He was closing my eyes. He was cradling me. He was laying on top of me when other people were trying to. He was there. And he said, Julie, I was there. 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 I've always been there. I have never left you. I've never forsaken you. My scars have taught me how to feel really deeply. And it's okay to feel deep. It's okay. You won't blow up. And so I'm I'm just coming to a a bit of a crescendo here. Because what, what we do is we try and hide our scars. We try and 
hide, you know, like Adam and Eve hid behind the bush. You know, God said, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? You know, oh, we've done this wrong thing, God. And the first thing we do when, when things go wrong is we want to hide. But 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Hallelujah. We need to start boasting about our weaknesses. We need to start boasting when the devil comes at you and he says, you're this and you're that and you're that. And you go, thank you, I know it. And it's what is so wonderful about me because in my weaknesses, God's pouring gold in. Hallelujah. Why do we look for perfection in each other in the church when we should be looking for golden scars? We should be looking for weaknesses in each other. Not to point them out and to criticize and to ridicule, to prophesy, thus saith the Lord. But we look at weaknesses in each other so we can see where the source of power is flowing out from each one of us. Because in your weakness, my Bible says, that's where he is strong. And if we look at the weakness in each other and say, oh my gosh, God is pouring out of you out of that weakness. Oh my gosh, he's pouring all over me in that weakness. Then we would understand what it is to be the truly the body of Christ and to love one another and to celebrate each other. Amen. Suffering equals glory. My last point. Suffering equals glory. I'll prove it to you. Romans 8, 14 to 18. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed, listen to this. Now, this is the line. You ready? If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Why did he keep his scars? So he could show us that through our scars, we will also receive glory. That we will be glorified with him. That we'll be given glorified bodies and that we will stand together in heaven And maybe we'll still have some of those gold marks remaining to ever remind us of our absolute uniqueness and our beauty that he has made in our lives. 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Verse 18 of Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And that's why I went to every altar call. That's why I submitted my heart to Jesus at every moment that I could get. That's why I long to be in his presence more than anything else in the last 40 years. Because I knew that there would be a glory revealed in us if I could just let him heal all these wounds and make them scars. Make them golden scars. Hallelujah. If you want to know the current prophetic word right now on the earth today, that word is this, humility. Because God is coming to prepare his bride for the greatest day of glory that she has ever seen. And he's coming to heal our wounds. He's coming to bind up the brokenhearted. He's coming to deliver us and cleanse us and heal us. And he's coming to put us on public display for his glory. That is his plan for this day. And the key word that we need is humility. Brokenness, transparency and openness to our God. It's time to accept yourself, scars and all. And let the Lord fill your scars and broken places with pure gold and put you on the display for the display of his beautiful glory. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.